My name is Ryan Wynn, and you're listening to the Emerald Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Emerald Podcast Network for Emerald FC. I'm Sean Meadow, and joining me is Austin Craycraft. We're both in remote locations, not in Eugene, Oregon right now. I'm in Southern California. Don't disclose my location. It's top secret. It's top secret. Okay. Well, I'm in Southern California, and Austin is in a in an undisclosed location somewhere on Earth. I'll give you folks that one. He's not not in a cave in Thailand. Oh no! Too soon. <laughs> Too soon. But it's a soccer podcast, and that was probably my favorite soccer story of the summer. Is that heroic effort getting them out? I know Paul Pogba tweeting about it. Harry Maguire. Those are just two of the names I remember off the top of my head seeing tweets from them. And that, I think, is just just an awesome story. And it's also kind of cool how closely it was covered despite it being during the World Cup. Like, yeah. you think, especially just the U.S. media would only have time for one soccer-related coverage, but they were able to kind of uh, follow that just as closely, which is really cool to see. And that's what I was trying to get at a little bit, was the, the fact this is happening during the World Cup is phenomenal. But we're going to talk about the World Cup itself, not too much about the 12 Thailand youth soccer players and their coach getting out of a cave, though that was the better story. We can't really do too much analysis of that from here and wherever Austin is. And, well, we're down to two. It's July 12th, Thursday, 12.30 Pacific time. We haven't played the third place game yet, the final, but we've played semifinals in the World Cup. Can I be honest? I Until the France-Belgium game ended, I forgot there was a third place game. Like It completely escaped my mind. There shouldn't be a third place game. I think it's one of those things, but at the same time, I think there shouldn't be a third place game because it's so brutal, and then games just end up with with football scores or baseball scores even. And I, I'm I'm mixed because if you walk away from a World Cup with a bronze medal, that's pretty cool. Well, yeah, and years I, later, but it's it's kind of the tradition, so you kind of have to keep it going. Uh, but like England, I, I saw an article that Trippier and two other Englishmen are probably not even going to play because there's no point in risking any sort of mm-hmm. tweak to your body. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Adnan Yanuzai get the start again for Belgium. He scored the goal against England in their group stage game um, when they played free, each other. Free Michi, too. Batshuayi. Yeah, uh, maybe he'll kick a ball off the post again. We'll get something beautiful like that. Smack it right back into his face. That was that was maybe one of the better memes of the the World Cup. Harry I didn't Ma- think Harry that Maguire the first pretty good. I didn't think that the first game we'd talk about was England Belgium in the group stage. No, neither was was what I thought. Well, let's just talk about the game that everyone's going to talk about, and that's France versus Croatia. But I, I think we should talk about before that. I think we should go back to the groups. I think we have a ton to talk about because there's been no podcasts we've done during the World Cup. Who, there... Who'd you have to win it before? Because I know you recorded with... Oh, yeah. Uh, I have my bracket actually on my desktop. If you just give me two seconds, I'll pull it up. But um... Well, I can tell... Well, you're pulling that up. I had Spain. Um, I had that locked in. And I did then the whole coach debacle thing happened. And I had France I playing Belgium. Sure. I had France playing Belgium in one of the semis, but I had Spain beating Belgium in the final. I had Germany, I I Germany, Spain, Belgium, France. (laughs) I got half of it. That's probably better than I did. I don't know. Oh, it's painful. But the the reason we're laughing at Spain and Germany, those of you listening probably know, but Germany knocked out in the group stage. I think there have been some upsets, some shockers, but that was maybe one of the bigger ones was Germany looked good after winning the World Cup. I know this is becoming a thing. Four out of the last five World Cup winners 
have now lost in the ensuing group stage of the next World Cup have been knocked out. That, to me, is maybe an anomaly, but it's, it's a small sample size, but it's a thing. But Germany won the Confederations Cup last year. They had the players, but there was just something not clicking for them. It took a last-second Tony Cruz free kick that would have been the goal of the tournament had maybe there not been other great goals and maybe if Germany had gone farther. But that moment was huge for them and incredible. Um, Austin, yeah. were you were you in Europe at, during that point? You were away for a while. Yes, I was in Europe for like the first half of the group stage. I mean, and I was in Germany for when they played Mexico. Um, we're like, let's go just sit down at a bar and watch the game and then everyone will be happy afterward. That was not the case. Mexico came out and was just completely the better side. Uh, when you don't play a defensive midfielder against a team that can break away like Mexico can, that's what happens is you just kind of get destroyed the way that they did. And then that's kind of where everyone's kind of suspicions of them not being as good as people thought they were came to light. And then we, we, we all just kind of expected Germany just to kind of bounce back because that's what they always do. They're, they're, they're the Germans. They don't, they're, they don't have any emotions. They're just there and they're going to be good no matter what. They're going to make the quarterfinals at least, but that wasn't the case. Right. And Germany losing to Mexico wasn't the biggest shocker of that group stage, but South Korea beating them two to nothing and Germany just not really Sunny. playing like they cared. Yes, Sun Young Min with the, I guess, the, the dagger after Manuel Neuer lost the ball playing like a midfielder. It was cleared forward for Min, or Sun Young Min, and that sealed the deal. But then you have other upsets like Argentina, just shockingly poor. But it wasn't really shocking, I think. I think we we were expecting them not to be as great as that. At least I wasn't expecting them you're, to be Yeah, great. you're definitely... You're definitely more of a skeptic than I saw for most people. You kind of called the Argentina thing. You're like, I had I'm them not gonna out say... of the group stage because I thought Iceland was better uh, organized than people expected. I thought Nigeria would give them trouble, and I definitely felt like Croatia was a dark horse. I didn't have them even close to the final, but <laughs> regardless. No, I mean... Argentina. That, that, that was just a really weird group. If it weren't for some late heroics in that match day number two... Argentina would have been out of it, and then uh, just the perfect combination of things had to happen match day three for Argentina to move through to the group stage, but then they end up drawing what we might be seeing the best team in the entire World Cup. Yeah, you know, I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't think Messi and Argentina were, were going to be great, and I think when they ran into France, that was bound to be an ugly one. I didn't expect four to three in that matchup. That was definitely one of the best games of the tournament but we'll talk about best of tournament towards the end of this podcast but uh Ronaldo was the one-man show for Portugal just didn't work out too great his game against Spain I'm calling it his game against Spain not Portugal's because it was all him 3-3 all three goals going to him De Gea blunders he didn't have the best tournament but he didn't have a lot of shots to save and the ones that he did have to save were from the penalty spot mainly one one he he just had a bad tournament I would, I, would, I wouldn't even argue he had a bad tournament. I think he had one bad one bad play. Maybe two bad plays, but only one of them was a goal. Well, the, the, the De Gea we saw last year at United, you expect he saves probably two, maybe three of those goals just based on his uh, incredible form that he was in. But international soccer is just like a completely different game almost. And you almost have to just throw the throw what you know out a little bit and just kind of figure out as the tournament goes along how teams are shaping up. But Spain, they can't really blame 
David De Gea too much when no, you have I mean, a manager leaving for Real Madrid. The, and that just proves just how strong club is now in the world of soccer. It completely owned Spain during the World Cup. When you have your manager the day, on the eve of the World Cup, get announced that he's leaving, and so Spain goes, bye. And yeah, they that, fire but, him. That, I, I know, that ruins I know. it. I don't, I don't know why Spain tried to defend it like, okay, it's it's going to be fine. It's gonna, No, like, still a great team. But my goodness, everyone's thinking differently. Players who play for Real Madrid are thinking differently. Players who are thinking about going to Real Madrid are playing differently. It messes with you. Well, and Spain has to, the, the, the Football Federation of Spain has to kind of just realize that, like, they they aren't as big as Real Madrid. And, like, hey, you're going to lose your manager, but you should still keep him around because he gives you the best chance of winning this World Cup, no matter how much the pride and ego of Spanish football gets in the way. Absolutely. I like how you're calling it football now. <laughs> well, I said soccer earlier, so I'm just going to keep <laughs> flopping back and forth. Go to go to Europe for a little, and boom, all of this terminology changes around. But one of the crazy runs for the World Cup has to be the hosts, Russia, who came in the worst team on FIFA rankings, which I don't buy. But they came in looking like they could be walking out of the tournament in the group stage, as South Africa did in 2010, the only host nation to ever get knocked out in the group stage. Russia ends up winning their first game five to nothing, and then their only loss being, I think it was to Uruguay in the group stage, and then they get by Egypt easily. Mo Salah with... We can just not talk about him. As a Liverpool fan for you, tough one. Uh, Mo Salah just kind of disappears a little bit, a little bit of controversy going on with him and Egypt and whatever, but Russia get to the quarters and get all the way to a shootout with Croatia, who are now in the final. And yeah, that, I, I mean, think, was the best run. But I always, always will be skeptical of Russia after the Sochi doping scandals came out. And then you see how many were doping for years and years. And that whole government-sponsored doping program, which you could watch the movie Invictus on Netflix or wherever. I think it's a Netflix original. Yeah, it's on original. Netflix. It's a Netflix yeah. original. So on Netflix, Invictus. Uh, it's not Invictus. Goodness me. It's Icarus. something like that. Icarus. Icarus. Invictus right. is the South African rugby one with the 95 World Cup. Gosh, that was... Whew. This is what Heatstroke does to you guys. Um... <laughs> Just so everyone knows, Sean is at a about a 90-degree house in L.A. with no fan just to make him yeah. sound good and air, no air, air conditioning. Air conditioning's gone. Um, it's probably above 90 now in my room. But we're going to keep going because the World Cup is bigger than that. But England just... thought it was coming home. I'm just going to skip to this. <laughs> but Okay. Because Russia, Russia's run was great. Um, they had good goals. They had good I'm play. Just, I'm glad they're gone because I could not stand another minute of that sit back and just. <laughs> it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun style. Like, and then they would. That's what it was going to be. Well, and then they they obviously had it well documented. Just the way that they had these midfielders who could just strike from nowhere and turn uh, turn nothing into a goal. But they're not going to control the ball. They're going to they're going to take in a bunch of pressure and then lob it up to what was the big striker's name who kind of came out of nowhere? Uh, oh, um, shoot, I I can't I don't even want to try and say the name. Smolov was benched for right. He was supposed to be the star for, coming in. Yeah, Smolov ended up. I think he missed his penalty in the Croatia shootout. Uh, yeah, that's sounds... he was the one that tried to panica it. Yeah, incredible miss. But yeah. Russia played very boring style, I think, but that's what you have to do. They were well-managed. They were smart with how they used their time on the ball. 
and they scored some absolute beauties. And I think that's what we'll remember Russia for in this tournament was just cracker of goals. I don't know if we can see this team do any damage in the Euro two, two years time from now, but I think that this was a side that we'll see get better. I don't think it can really go too far downward unless a doping scandal is to come out, but... Well, yeah, this was the most successful Russian slash USSR side since it was the USSR and it was mm -hmm. multiple countries put together. So um, I think they are certainly on the up and up. They do have some younger talent, but last thing anyone wants to hear about is the developing prospects of Russian football. Yeah, and I'm going to jump over to England now to, and then we'll go into the final because that's, I think, a good transition at least. But England thought it was coming home. I thought it was coming home for a little bit. Got me believing, but... England coming second in the group, in Group G, it looked like that would be the better call. They come second, losing to Belgium. One it to was nothing. the better call. And it really was, because they got to the semifinal. I don't know if they would have made it as far as they did if they were in Belgium's shoes. I yeah, really I, don't, don't I don't know if they... So. I don't know. I don't think they get past Brazil, Yeah, personally. I mean, I, I, I still contend that Brazil's a better team than Belgium, but it just happened that way that on that particular this day. This is the golden generation for, for Belgium and... I think we won't see a stronger side next World Cup. I think that was this was their chance. No, this I, was their really block when Lukaku, Mertens, De Bruyne, Hazard. Uh, Hazard, they're all in that prime age of where you want them to be, and that's what you have to do if you're a smaller side like a Belgium or a Croatia. And you have Croatia's golden age in the final, but England falling to Croatia 2-1 to one after extra time. Manzic Sean, the winner. Take the take the professional hat off for like 25 seconds. 25 Just give seconds. me your raw, raw, unadulterated <laughs> fandom thoughts because oh, because because England's England's my England's the team that I was going for. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, I'm I don't know anyone. This, I'm trying to take this professional hat off, but it's it's tough. Anyway, uh, raw 25 seconds. You said. Uh, sure. Very excited awesome to see them make a run like this because in my lifetime i've never seen it my dad used to tell me about 1966 because he sat there listening on a radio and then the next day went and paid a nickel to watch it in a movie theater like that's how it worked and yesterday he sat at work watching it on his his iphone like that's how long it's been since he's really been invested in an england team i mean 1990 of course but he doesn't really talk about that world cup too much because i think he didn't didn't think they'd get through against Germany in the first place. I think getting that one to penalties was pretty good. But this team, it just felt right. They didn't have the pressure. They didn't have the worry of the past on them. The weight of the world was not really on them. They were young. They were bubbling. Jesse Lingard, Marcus Rashford coming off the bench. You have Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane. It's a young team with a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And I thought, I thought it was coming home. But a really, really solid Croatia side. England couldn't put away their 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 chances in the first half Harry Kane kind of went and disappeared because I, I don't know he like, played really weird he kind like, of disappeared in that game I honestly thought I don't know you have to keep him in there but at the same time would it have been you can't sub him you would have been if you're Gareth Southgate but bringing in Jamie Vardy and Marcus Rashford the right call but it was I, after the second goal though that was too they, late and yeah. that's exactly, I think I told you, I think that's what I texted you with the Sweden game. My worries for Sweden was England either score early and then an equalizer late, and then England tries to win it, and then Sweden would win it on the counter. I think I texted you something before that game well, similar to well, that. Well, no, but, I, yeah, I, I kind of, I thought Sweden was going to be really I thought Sweden was a tough test. 
on paper after, or not even on paper, but after the way Sweden had played up to that point. I still think Sweden's underrated and we're sitting here right now talking about how they could have e easily beaten England. They could have been on a ridiculously deep run in a tournament in a World yeah. Cup without Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Would he have made the difference? I don't know. I don't know. I mean... He's still playing... Ah, I don't know. He was rollerblading at Venice Beach two days ago, so... I mean, yeah, you, you could do that or you could be playing the World Cup and I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. I know it wasn't his decision necessarily, but I think it would have been fun to see him with that team because they were just so solid defensively. You can just feed feed the god himself, so to say. Yeah, he's going to win headers for you in the box and score some spectacular acrobatic goals. I honestly think he still has the ability to score goals if you feed it to him. He's not as fast as he used to be. He never really was fast, but he's not he's not as quick, but he's and he's not as quick with the ball at his feet, but you just get that ball into the middle and he's anywhere within 5 yards of it. There's a chance. Sure. And There's a good chance it's going in. And I don't really want to go too much onto his Laton tangent, but... I mean, we've, we've already done it, so... We've done it. So, we'll stop there. But another striker that's really fallen off is Olivier Giroud, who hasn't scored in this World Cup, but his French side in the final... I think he hasn't had a shot on target. I don't want to... He had one. Right. He had one on target. There you go. So, that's not his role. I guess that's just not his role, and it's working. I, I would mean... Have, I would have thought Antoine Griezmann would have more goals than he does at this point, but he doesn't, and that's fine. It's incredible. France is in the World Cup final, and they've played very, very quiet soccer. They've done exactly what they just need to do. Barely just get what they need to do in a game, and they're in the final. Croatia is their opponent, and it's insane. 20 years ago, they won it, France, and they, they might do it again. Yeah. yeah, they're 90 to 120 minutes away from doing it again, possibly. And, I mean... I still feel like they've underwhelmed, even though they've beaten they've beaten Peru, who was really good. They beat Croatia ahead of the tournament. Uh, they beat Argentina 4-3 in a thriller. They beat Uruguay, who was as solid defensively as we've seen any team in this tournament. Two Best to zero. defense, I think, in the tournament was Uruguay. But yeah, exactly. Muslera's mistake made it 2 to nothing on a, a Griezmann straight shot at goal. It just swerved a little bit of Uruguayan goalkeeper. Muslera just misread it. <clears throat> Correct, carries. <laughs> a nod to Loris Karius. There's been some howlers in recent years. But, yeah, Uruguay was a strong defense, and France managed to shut out Suarez without Cavani. I mean, would yeah, that was huge. Cavani, if Cavani makes it to the semifinal and he puts away a goal against France and they lose to Belgium, I might be sitting here giving him an argument for winning the golden ball. I think he was that good. He was, I don't know. Yeah, he was, he was great. I think that side was strong, but... France just doing enough every single game to get themselves to where they are. And they've played one less game than Croatia, if you count the minutes, because Croatia's knockout rounds have all gone to extra time. Two it's of crazy. them going to penalties, and yesterday's against England didn't go. But had that gone, that would have been three straight games, which has never been done in a knockout round at a World Cup, where they would go to penalties. Croatia has played full 90 minutes of extra time at this World Cup. And, and they, I mean... I know each game they've like looked a little stiff afterward and then we're like, oh, they're too tired to win this next game. And then they continually do it. So I'm not going to count them out just because of that. But when you have Mandzukic barely being able to walk after he scores that second goal, you had multiple players in the... Uh, in the Denmark game that we're just kind of keeling over, uh, same with the Russia game. It's just like crazy to see them still standing upright and having a chance to hoist a World Cup uh, trophy. France is just probably licking their lips or they're thinking about game plan and it's got to be possess and force them to chase. 
you force Croatia to chase, make them run. Luka Modric has been phenomenal, but man, Croatia's been able to do just the most incredible thing, which is play an extra game, basically, and get themselves to the World Cup. And they they've subbed probably I don't I don't have a stat or a number to back this up, but they've probably subbed at a lesser rate than just about every other team in the tournament. Yeah, seven subs remained going into extra time yesterday. Yeah, they didn't make I don't think they made a single one, and they they did end up running out of subs against Russia because that's why Subasic almost had to came came out and then he came, and they stayed in. They ended up winning them the penalties, but he's been incredible. Um, I I've loved watching this Croatian team um, when they beat England. I know I was rooting for England, but I'm like, okay, I like Croatia. Let's let's keep it going. Um, just so many different pieces of that team have impressed in ways that I didn't really see coming, whether it's Ante Rebic, his, his, his dribbling has impressed me. I know he wasn't as good against England. He was really good against Russia. Perisic, he, he probably had one of the best games I've seen all tournament against England, just in terms of scoring that goal. And then he almost put a second one back, hitting that post and then bouncing off Pickford in that direction. That was crazy. That was nuts. He's, his stock price has gone up. Yeah. Where is he at right now? We're going to talk about that later. Inter Milan. Uh, We'll talk about that later. He's linked with Man United, I saw in January. I wonder if that leads to more. I don't really read the the gossip anymore. No, it's too overwhelming. That was my thing in my teenage years during the summer was I would wake up for the Tour de France in July and I would reach for my phone immediately and I would check it for transfers. And I'd go onto all the different English websites, Sky Sports. They have like a nice little transfer center and I would go through that. But... We'll talk about more of that afterwards, but the the teams for these both of these sides just so solid. It's midfield. The midfield that battle really defines both countries. Yeah, the battle in the midfield. Modric, Rakitic, just owning that center. Perisic, you already mentioned, and then you have Mbappe, and he's been running wild up top. But Conte and Pogba have really been the unsung heroes for France. There was there was an article on SB Nation saying that there is a player on France who should win the Golden Ball, and it's not Mbappe or Pogba. It's it's Angolo Conte, and he's just been. I've almost felt like France has been underwhelming, but Conte has just been the glue, and he always has been. I guess no matter where he's gone, whether it's Leicester, Chelsea, those two title-winning sides, he could lead a third here in France, and he just has a way of piecing together a defense so perfectly. Absolutely, I think he's been incredible. And I would give the same uh, tip of the hat to Luka Modric, who was superb all tournament long. And now we're going to this final thinking the same thing. But he was subbed out before penalties or possible penalties, at least yesterday against England. And that was after the second goal, though. Yeah, it was after the second goal. And he's walking off the field. And I was thinking, man, how is he still walking? Because that guy's putting so many miles in, so many miles. But he he's, reminds me of Iniesta in the sense that you could you're gonna talk about him in past tense of how great he was and how he should have won this and that award, kind of like what you're talking about with that article saying Conte deserves the Golden Ball. But that's the type of player he is, and it reminds me a lot of Andres Iniesta. Oh, I I agree. I, I've been I mean. You don't know you don't notice Luca as much on Real Madrid just because your eyes are always taken towards Cristiano, maybe Gareth Bale, um, Marcelo with his deft touch with that left foot. Um, but Luca, he's just as good with that Real Madrid side, but he just doesn't get that same level of attention. Whereas on on Croatia, he has the ball all the time. He's really controlling the entire game um, along with Rakitic and. He's he's kind of the motor that goes, and he just doesn't stop going. He's got energy for days, just like you were saying. And we'll see if he has another 90 minutes in him. Because I do think if Croatia were to win this, he is probably the guy who wins the Golden Ball. That's 
I think absolutely valid. I would go with Luka Modric for Golden Ball. Yeah. Regardless of the outcome? Yeah. How about Kylian Mbappe scores a brace? Well, what would his... No. I don't think you get... That, that to me, is very... It's too flashy. Very, very American. <laughs> I hate to use that as an, as a, an excuse there. But, like, you give it an MVP to the highest score in basketball or something. Or I know Ali Long had a tweet about the NWSL, U.S. Women's National Team player. She said that's, like, why we give MVP at the end of the season to the same person who won the Golden Boot. I don't, I don't think you give it to the person that's scoring the goals. I think Mbappe's been great. He'll get the Young Player Award, which Pogba got at the last World Cup. I think you give Modric golden ball because if he's not in the picture at all for Croatia, they're not even close to where they are right now. And those extra times and the penalty miss, and then he turns it around and scores the penalty itself, the penalty in the shootout. So massive props to him. Yeah. Do we want to do predictions? I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> do you want me to go first, or do you want to give it a uh, swing? You can. All right. Well, 20 years ago, France beat Brazil 3 to nothing. I think three goals will be in France's column again. But I think wow. one for Croatia, because they're going to be inspired. They'll get one back. I think this one's going to be 1-1 at a point, and I think France is going to win 3-1. Sounds like a similar final that we've had earlier this year. Um... <laughs> Hinting at the Champions League, I see. I, I am. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I want to see Croatia win it so bad. I just think that France is just so talented and we haven't even seen their like, I wouldn't even say we've seen their A minus game yet. I think they just have so much room for potential, just the talent they have. And um, I guess I'll go, I'll go two to one. Um, and I'll say that France gets two early in the second half and then Croatia gets one late to make it interesting, but two to one France. All right. So we both have France. Um, let's get to the last little bit of this podcast here and talk a little bit about what well, we've already kind of hinted at, but golden ball. We've said Luka Modric. <sighs> we still in agreement on that? Yeah. Okay, yes. so golden boot going to Harry Kane. I don't think, unless Lukaku How can How many score, does Lukaku have to score? He would need three. Totally I mean, I'm doable, not saying, but is I'm he not going saying, yeah. to play? Is he even going to play in that third? I could see him playing. I just don't know if he's going to. I don't know what's going to well, happen in that the, third place. Well, the, the funny thing is the Spursy thing to do is Kane to score three goals. Yeah. So I, I think Kane at least gets one, assuming he, he's playing, which I haven't heard otherwise. So yeah. yeah, I think Kane wins it. All right. So Harry Kane, gold, golden boot. But this one's tough as golden glove. For me, it's Hugo Lloris. Mine's Subasic. Subasic. He's, okay. He's won them two penalty shootouts as well as playing yeah. basically on whatever happened to his leg in that <laughs> Russia game. He just cramped, but... The reason I give it to Lloris is um, he's made some big saves in games where France led by only one goal, and game would have been totally different had those balls ended up in the back of the net. I would have given it to Courtois, I think, if they had beaten France, though, because he made some big saves. I think I would have given it to Jordan Pickford if they beat Cro- if England had beaten Croatia. Subasic definitely deserving as well, but right now I'm I'm saying I'm leaning Hugo Lloris reluctantly because this has. Jinx written all over it where he's going to have one go through his legs, Robert Green style 2010, but we'll see. If things had transpired a little differently, I would definitely give Guillermo Ochoa a, a shout out here because mm. I was I was thoroughly impressed. I enjoyed watching him as far as Mexico made it. San Ochoa, that's what they call him for a reason. I mean, that guy makes some saves in World Cups. Let's see. Best game of the tournament. I posted a Twitter poll about it. Uh, didn't get much engagement. With- <laughs> I don't, With all those votes? I don't know if it even hit 20 votes, quite frankly. I think too many of my followers are Oregon Athletic people or 
they just are muting me because of the World Cup. But uh, <laughs> I literally got a text from a friend. She's like, I'm muting you for Twitter till July 16th. And I started and laughing. like, okay, that's fair. Because she literally like follows me for the fact that she knows me slash Oregon Athletics. And I just thought that was fun. I was like, that honestly is fair. But yeah, for me, it was Spain-Portugal, 3-all. And we but, were in agreement on this. We texted about this. Yeah. And, the other options uh, were France versus Argentina, 4-3. Tweet us about it. I'd love to hear some some reasonings for other ones. But France-Argentina, 4-3, and then the Belgium-Japan, 3-2 comeback. Or other. Were there, were there any, yeah, were there any later that could, I mean, this Croatia-England game was incredible. It really was incredible. I think I think we interpret best game as one that has a lot of goals and excitement like that. But I think this England-Croatia game, you're right, Austin, has a lot of excitement behind it, I think. I mean, the only problem for me that wouldn't put it into consideration is England didn't really try and score until they were down, I felt like. Jordan Pickford didn't even come up at the end. I expected him to come forward. Yeah. I mean, that that was such an unsuspecting ball that they laid out there for Mandzukic, and just enough to... Kind of reminds me of, like, Kevin De Bruyne's extra-time winner against the United States. It kind of reminds me of Andres Iniesta's winner in the 2010 World Cup, and it kind of reminds me of Mario Götze's winner in the 2014 World Cup final. If this is all making sense to you, it's because they're all extra-time goals, and that's because defenses get tired, and John Stones dropped his head a little bit, got a little flat-footed, and Mario Mandzukic was all about it. Yeah, he was right there for it, and I can't believe that's the way that that game ended, but oh well. (laughs) photographer gets pummeled by the way in that you should everyone should look that up but a photographer got pummeled and got some amazing photos because he was lying down and (laughs) the corrosion players were trying to help him up and he gets some photos of manzikic's celebration that were great do you have a best goal um i don't know that trippier free kick was pretty pretty incredible i don't know maybe it was just it was just the reminiscence of beckham and yeah how he idolized him and stuff i don't know that was pretty special that was my favorite england goal but Jesse Lingard's was also phenomenal for England, but I would give it personally to Pavar on France. That was oh yeah, that was just, sick. That that technique is insane, and I I mean I'm not at anywhere close to the level that can do that on a consistent basis, and I've probably tried it a hundred times and maybe hit one or two, where I've well, actually no, it- had good contact and had the ball like backspin like that's like a tennis racket shot that you know. That was yeah. insane. Well, you, you've seen players, like, try and tee it up from out there, but they haven't done it kind of on, like, a half volley like he did. Yeah. It's, like, and everyone else has airmailed it, and they've just had it coming at them on the ground where, like, mm-hmm. you, you practice that shot all the time. Um, Nacho the, scored the most... a good goal for Spain, similar similar type of strike that had that yes. kind of thing. But it was more of a half volley. Pavard's was just insane. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue with that. I didn't, I didn't think about this one too closely. I mean, the the Tony Cruz goal was oh. probably the one that dropped my chin the most, just because I couldn't believe it happened. Yeah, that was definitely the the most oh my, of course, never count him out type of moment. And because yeah. I was also like, why are you laying it off like this? But Ashley that's Young, why. Ashley Young, Wayne Rooney versus Arsenal, eight to two, two thousand eleven, twenty twelve season. Two, two free kicks exactly like that. And I don't buy that. I don't know why people do it, but United did it twice in one game successfully, and I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. How is this working? And then it happens in a World Cup, and now I'm absolutely buying into it. 
but it worked. Um, last little thing on our agenda here as we wrap up, best new transfer target. Who Who is everyone's target? You put on you put this on the outline saying James Rodriguez of 2014, and that's exactly what I think this goes to. Jurgen Klinsmann is another name that comes to mind when he signed sure. for Spurs after the World Cup back in, I think that was the, after the 90 World Cup. Um, Vita for Croatia. I don't, Domaga, Dama, I'll just call him Dama Vida. He's been excellent. The other center back next to Lovren, he, the way he defended Raheem Sterling yesterday in that semifinal, I was thoroughly impressed with. Sterling, I Sterling, Sterling has been spreading defenses so well. So that, you're right, was impressive. Sterling would get the ball, but he just couldn't make that final leap because Vita knew how to time those slide tackles just perfect. And I know he's he's been rumored to Liverpool, which is the reason I know the number. It's only like 15 million pounds or so, so it's not it's not very much. Um, and he's 29, so he's on the other side of the mountain in terms of his career, but he's been excellent for me. I've been giving way too much love to Croatia in this podcast, but I, I think I've watched them more than any it's, other team in this tournament. It's understandable, though. They're in the World Cup final, man. They're playing. And, they're playing great. They're always the late game, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I should look at that. That's an interesting point. Well, it's because the, the team's in the later groups, right? Like the, the backside of the alphabet, so to speak. I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. Who's yours? Do you have one? Uh, best transfer up? target. Uh, we brought him up. It's a Croatian. It's Ivan Perisic. Yeah. I think he's been just wonderful. His game against England, if you're going to say bottom of transfer, I think it... It was that one. I think that was great. I think Forsberg on Sweden was also really good. He was fun to that watch. That goal was huge, yeah. Coming in from the left. He could be a good one. But I think this one doesn't really have the James Rodriguez feel to it. No one really has that, oh boy, this is well, the big transfer guy. I don't. It's not a big transfer guy, but I think in terms of the general public's learning about a player i think killing mbappe like i know people had heard the name but they just finally saw that insane speed he had like i know he's yeah. not if he if he leaves he's going from psg to madrid so it's not like a big deal but i think he was kind of the the breakout now everyone knows like what kind of level he's on maybe people will learn how to pronounce his name i think there were a couple fun ones <laughs> going around on the internet yeah what were they mbaba mbaba like there was like a good slurred one i think the san diego padres one was the best one if you can find that they were advertising it on fox san diego yeah, one of the france funny. games and that was that was maybe the best one but yeah he's definitely the breakout star uh he'll one, get the young player of the tournament award for sure one uh, one other name i know that many football fans do already know is cool Bali from uh, napoli he was insanely impressive one of the best center backs in the world truly emerging onto the national stage in yeah before before the dumb fair play rule <laughs> the dumb fair play rule oh and fair play to you austin on that one but i think we should wrap it up we're getting a little bit long on this one but it was great to have you on you too sean yeah thanks uh and thanks to those listening still listening if you are on the emerald podcast network to emerald fc you can follow us on twitter austin what's your at uh at a underscore craycraft and i'm at sean meadow you can get the spelling of our names by looking at the description of the podcast and yeah tweet at us if you have something you want us to talk about at any point Here, subscribe real quick, last time i can say this for four years vuvuzuela noise Oh, do you want me to pull mine out? Yes. I have it. It's like five feet away from me. Just give me a second. I got to walk with my laptop, but here it is. Vuvuzela to end the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, go on to dailyemerald.com. Look at the right sidebar. Read our articles on there as well, folks. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. Vuvuzela noise commence. Bye.
Thanks for listening. Enjoy the World Cup final on Sunday.